I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. So the subject of this seminar is the art of intercession. And I launched this seminar with a quote from Kenneth E. Hagin, and he said that if we are not careful, the art of intercession will be lost to generations to come. And those of us who've been in the things of God, especially in the things of prayer, for year after year after year, we understand that statement that Kenneth E. Hagin is making, that there is an art to intercession. And what I'm concerned about is that this art, as far as I've been seeing it, is being lost in the church world today. So what we're doing is we are teaching this Word of God on the art of intercession so that this art will not be lost, but that it will not only be uh, restored, but revived as well in those who have once walked in it. So we're talking about the art of intercession, um, and we talked about the different kinds of prayer, that there's all different kinds of prayer. The Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all different kinds of prayer and all manner of prayer. Godspeed translation says, using every kind of prayer and entreaty and at every opportunity, pray in the Spirit. So there are different kinds of prayer. And we went over those different kinds of prayer in our last session. We said that there's the prayer of faith, uh, Mark 11, 23 and 24, the prayer of dedication and consecration. We talked about the prayer of worship the prayer of agreement, the prayer of commitment, united prayer, and prayer in the spirit for personal edification. And we highlighted that there are different rules to pray, uh, different rules that we use in each of these prayers. And what I've seen in the church world, especially more recently, is that we're getting all the different prayers mixed up with all the different rules. For example, you can't play, if you think about sports, you can't play football with hockey rules. So that's what we're seeing happening in the church world. And our vision, our desire is to clarify exactly what the different rules are, exactly how to pray, and specifically the prayer of intercession. So we're going to go ahead and step in and we're going to define what is an intercessor and what is the prayer of intercession. The prayer of intercession is not praying for yourself. It's praying or prayer for another. The prayer of intercession is as Ezekiel 22.30. It is as one who stands in the gap before God. The, another definition for an intercessor is a, meteor, a mediator. Webster's Dictionary says uh, that a mediator is a go-between, an intercessor, one who interposes between two parties at variance for the purpose of reconciling them. Uh, an intercessor is as a lawyer, this is my favorite, is as a lawyer who pleads the case on the behalf of another. 
So when you think about the prayer of intercession, you think about that, or you as an intercessor, you are as a lawyer pleading the case on the behalf of someone else. And as a lawyer, you have to have a law book, right? Well, what's our law book? This book of the law. You know, God told Joshua, don't let it depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. This is the law. This is the word of God. This is what we stand on as intercessors and as mediators. The Greek word for intercessor means to get the ear of a king. I love this. On the behalf of another. So we as intercessors, we are going to God on the behalf of another person and we are getting the ear of a king on the behalf of another person. We're not praying for ourselves. We're not going to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords for ourselves. We're coming before the Hebrews 4:16, the throne room of grace on the behalf of another person, and we're going before him and we're using the word of God and we're pleading the case on the behalf of another person. And like we said in our earlier session, we're not pleading for our own needs to be met because that's begging God and that's mixing up the rules for intercession and for the prayer of faith. I have found that people oftentimes, they're, they're going to God on the behalf of their own needs and they're begging God and asking God over and over and over and over for the same thing over and over and over. And they think that that's prayer and they, that they, and they don't understand why their prayers aren't being met. But that's intercession. Intercession is when you go to God on the behalf of another person, you're standing in the gap, the, your, the will of God is to produce agreement between you and that person, and, you're, and it's the kind of praying, and we're going to talk about this as we go on, where you, you, it requires importunity. So it's not praying for yourself, amen? Let's go to John 15. The prayer of intercession is the greatest act of love the absolute, total and complete, greatest act of love. And we can see this here in John 15, 12. Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And we know that the Bible says in Isaiah 59, 16, that Jesus came to the earth as an intercessor. He bridged the gap between God and sinful man. And what he's saying to you and I is, I want you, my church, my bride, to love even as I loved. I am calling each and every one of you to, have, to be an intercessor. I'm calling you to lay down your life for your brothers, your sisters, those that are lost for your cities and your nations. So it is the greatest act of love that we can do. It is the hot, praying the prayer of intercession is the highest form, my opinion, of prayer that there is. Because it's a selfless prayer. We're not praying for ourselves. But we're going to find out at the end of our teaching that when Job prayed for his friends, God not only restored Job's fortunes, but God gave Job twice as much as he had before. So when we lay down our lives and we pour our heart out in prayer on the behalf of someone else and we operate in this kind of love, 
it just opens up the door for the windows of heaven to just pour out blessings that come upon us and overtake us. It is the greatest act of love that you can do. Now you think about, you could say, you know, I love, I love my pastor, and, and, and you want to express your love for him, so you bake him his favorite cake or his favorite pie or his favorite vegetarian dish. And, and that's your way of expressing your love. And that's good, and I think we should do those things, don't you? But ultimately, the greatest act of love we could do for our pastors, our leaders, or anybody is to lay down our lives for them, go into the secret place of prayer, shut the door, and pray and intercede on their behalf. And our Father, which sees in secret, He will reward us. I sometimes shy away from talking about the rewards, but there are rewards to being an intercessor. There's definite rewards that come along with being an intercessor. You just have an element of God's favor on you that is unlike someone who doesn't stand in the gap and be an intercessor like that man or that woman is. I know we live in a day and an hour where we all have favor. We do have favor, but there's just something about a man or a woman who has laid down his or her life and has, has decided that they're going to be an intercessor on the behalf of someone else. Okay? So it is the greatest act of love. Now, Hebrews 7, 24 and 25, and we said this in our earlier sessions, that I'm just going to be like the road runner. We're just going to go through these scriptures, and you can just look them up later because there's just so much information. We don't have time to look every scripture up. But Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24 and 25 says that Jesus ever lives to make intercession. It also says in 1 John 4:17 that as he is so are we in this world. Well, what does that mean? Galatians 2:20. We no longer live, right? Christ lives in us, the hope of glory, right? It means that Jesus Christ, the intercessor, is on the inside of you and I. And his desire is to be loosed and let go through your, through your prayers. The intercessor is within us. Jesus, the intercessor, is within us. And when we begin to yield over to the spirit of grace and supplication, which is the spirit of prayer, we're yielding over to the ministry of Jesus in the earth. I understand that he sits at the right hand and he ever lives to make intercession, but he sits on the inside of us. And he desires to ever live to make intercession through you and I. And my question is, is how many of us are yielding to that spirit of prayer that's on the inside of us? God is searching for intercessors to stand in the gap and put up the hedge. Because when we pray, it opens up the door for God to work. Because man is God's avenue into the earth, and when we yield to Jesus, the intercessor, we're just opening up the windows of heaven, and the, it's, it's, opening up, it's opening up ways and opportunities for God to have his way in the earth. So it's a very exciting kind of praying. And I believe that God is, and I can see this in my spirit, I believe that the ship has gotten a little bit off course, and I can see the ship being turned back and turn back, and we're going to get back on course when it comes to praying the prayer of intercession. We have not because we ask not. And I believe that the reason why so many things are happening in our nations is because 
There has not been a man or a woman that will stand and put up the hedge and claim protection for our borders and believe God for the lost to be saved because it's going to take prayer, my friends. It's going to take prayer. And I think a lot of our intercessors have grown tired. They've lost hope. They're busy. The cares of this world, you know, have choked us. And we've let down and laid down our mantle. Well, I believe it's time for us to put that mantle back on. And, and, you know, we got to just shake ourselves a little bit and maybe do a little alteration on the sleeve. It's time to put it back on and enter into that place of prayer. And, and I could see in my spirit, even as Psalms 92.10, and I say this for you who are listening, that God will anoint you with fresh oil. I believe what the enemy has desire for the evil, God can turn it around and anoint you with fresh oil. As a matter of fact, there's a scripture that's come into my mind that the more they were persecuted, the more they grew and multiplied. I believe that we can come back as strong men and women of prayer, and we can come back with a vengeance, so to speak. The Bible even says in Isaiah 59, 16, that when Jesus came, as an came to the earth as an intercessor, he came with vengeance as a, as a cloak. I believe we're going to rise up and we're going to come back with a, a strong cloak of zeal and we're going to break the powers of darkness and no weapon formed against our cities, our regions, and our nations will prosper. But God is calling forth his intercessors to arise and to shine in this hour. And I believe he's speaking to many of you to hear the call and to pick up the mantle of the power of prayer and just say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. And you may say, well, I don't really know that much about the prayer of intercession. Listen, I didn't either when I first started. Just begin where you are and listen to these teachings or get my book on March for Intercession or buy somebody else's book. Begin where you are and you'll see that you'll grow in grace and you'll grow in your ministry of intercession. Min intercession actually can be a ministry. You don't have to have a public ministry to be in the ministry. Prayer is one of the most vital ministries that we have in the earth today. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Men and women who are devoted to prayer, where are they? I believe God is raising them up. I believe he's breathing on the ambers of their heart and he's raising them up and he's fanning the flames and he's raising them up because before any great revival happens in the earth, there's always a great prayer movement. And I believe we're coming into another great prayer movement. I believe it's going to be a selfless prayer movement. It's going to be a, a movement of intercessory prayer where we're laying down our lives and we're saying, Lord, we just want to be yielded to you. You hear my, you know that scripture? You know, who, who will you send? Hear my, Lord, send me. How many of you want to be that man and that woman that will stand in the gap? Amen. So the intercessor is within us. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 11. We're going to look at Jesus' life and ministry. We're going to see that Jesus himself was an example of a man of prayer. Look here at Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now it came to pass, as he, speaking of Jesus, was praying in a certain place, 
when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, what do you think would have stirred his disciples to ask Jesus such a question? Well, I think it's twofold. I think, number one, they saw that Jesus was a man of love, that Jesus was a man full of faith, full of power, full of the Holy Ghost. They saw that Jesus was a man who, who operated and demonstrated the gifts of the Spirit. Jesus was a man of wisdom. He was a man of revelation. He was a man who cast out devils. Devils and demons obeyed him. But I think number two, they also saw that he not only had results in his ministry and in his personal life, because he never got weary. He never, I don't think he ever had a bad day, do you? But I think number two, they saw that Jesus himself was an example of a man of prayer. And we know this because the Bible shows us. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16 says, the more famous he became, the more he became more famous, and when he did, he withdrew and he prayed. So he became more and more and more famous, and that didn't stop him from praying. He didn't grow weary, you know. The reason he didn't grow weary from doing his ministry was because he was a man of prayer. Luke chapter 6, verse 11 through 13 says, After the healing of the man with the withered hand, the religious people of that day were filled with rage. But what did Jesus do? And the disciples, remember, were watching him. Don't you watch your leader? I watch my leaders. They were filled with rage because, you know, they lead by example. And I believe Jesus' life and ministry, they watched how he was and they watched his lifestyle and they saw he's a man of prayer. Hey, maybe that's why he has results. Because they didn't say, Lord, teach us to preach. <laughs> they didn't say, Lord, teach us how to move in the Spirit. They didn't say, Lord, teach us how to you know, cast out devils and heal the sick. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. You're a powerful man of God. We want what you have. Teach us how to pray. Amen? And the Bible says, after he healed the man with a withered hand, they were filled with rage but Jesus went up to a mountain to do what? To pray. And listen to this. He spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when daylight came, he chose his disciples. I mean, he didn't make any decisions until he prayed. And he prayed all night. All night. At our last KIU, I was telling everybody about this man who was an ex-Satanist worship, worshiper. And he said when he was in the high-level ranks of being a, war, a warlock, he said they would pray all nights till from 7 o'clock at night till 5 o'clock in the morning in demonic tongues and put curses on cities, regions, neighborhoods, and nations. He got born again 13 years ago and was discipled under the ministry of David Wilkerson. There you go. I, I agree with that. And I'm telling you, he said, and, we, and, and I'm not saying this about anyone here, but he said, and we can't even get the body of Christ to pray 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. He said, but prayer, and he knew it. He said the neighborhoods that he would go in, because he would leave his body. This, I'm just telling you straight up. He would leave his body. He would go over neighborhoods legit. 
And he said that the neighborhoods that had some praying people in it, he said they couldn't do any work there. They couldn't do any work there. Why? Because the prayers of the righteous have a powerful effect, and our prayers overpower the works of darkness. Amen. Mark 1, chapter, verse 34 through 37. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now in the morning, he went to Starbucks and he got a caramel macchiato, <laughs> extra caramel, <laughs> five pump syrup, one of those amazing, uh, what are those cakes called? What are those cakes? Is it raspberry and vanilla cakes? Pound cakes? No, it doesn't say that, does it? No. He rose up in the morning, having arisen a long while before daylight, and he went out and he departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. He was a man of prayer. Isn't that what you want to be? How many of you want to be like Jesus? I want to be like Jesus. And I think prayer is the... It is the easiest thing to do. And, and as you get into the ministry of prayer and intercession, it becomes more and more exciting, especially when the gifts of the Spirit start to operate. Amen? Mm -hmm. The Bible says that another place, Matthew 14, 13, that Jesus went into a deserted place by himself and he prayed. The Bible says in Matthew 14, 23, that he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. So Jesus was a man of prayer. He was a man who showed us that as an example that, yes, this is what we need to do to be successful. Amen? Now, let's look here at the scripture. Now, they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, Jesus is going to go ahead and he's already been an example to them. Now he's going to teach them precept by precept how to pray. He's going to answer the question. And he said to them, verse 2, When you pray, I want you to notice, he, they didn't say if, if you pray, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. First Corinthians says, I will pray. So when you don't feel like praying, you have to will yourself to pray. How many of you don't always feel like praying? <laughs> so he said, and when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want you to listen now. He says, give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us us lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one so Jesus is teaching them to pray I believe the first scripture the first prayer he taught them in essence was how to get their own needs met slam but dunk bottom line right this to me sounds a whole lot like the prayer of faith what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. Give us, day by day, our daily bread. And I want you to notice, he said, when you pray, say, Our Father. 
That's a whole, that's 20 hours of teaching, our Father, because up till then, he, you know, he's teaching the disciples. You don't pray to Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sidkenu. You don't speak to God on a first name basis. He's your Father. So he says, when you pray, you say, oh, my Father, give me what I need in Jesus' name. So this to me looks a whole lot like the prayer of faith. Now, he doesn't stop there. Let's look at verse 5. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend? Now, I call that friend, just so you know, the source of help, the source of supply. His name is El Shaddai. He is the God that is more than enough. Which of you have a friend like that? How many of you know him deeply and intimately, and you go to church, and you go to seminars, and you hear all about him, and you know him, and he's our father, amen? Which of you have a friend like that, and you go to him at midnight, and you say to him, friend, lend me three loaves? I want you to notice that this person, which I'm, we're going to call this intercessor, was very specific in what this intercessor was asking for. This intercessor said, I am coming to you, and I am coming specifically to ask for three loaves. Now, why was he coming? For a friend of mine. I'm not coming for my own needs. I'm not coming because I need, I need anything. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. I have everything I need. He's already given me my daily bread. I know who I am in Christ. I'm the head and not the tail. I got favor. I got it all going on. I have all my scripture CDs. I got it all. I know who I am. I know how to worship. I go to church. You know, I'm not coming for myself. I'm good. I'm coming on the behalf of a friend of mine who has come to me in his journey, and I, in the natural, have nothing to give him. Do we have anything to give people? After you've given people everything you know to give them, you know that the thing they need the most is Jesus. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Do you ever just sit across the table from somebody and just go, I know what they need, they need Jesus. So he says, for a friend of mine has come to me, and I like to say it like this, for a friend of mine has come to me in his journey in life, and I don't have anything to give to them. I don't believe it's any accident that people come across our paths. Do you? And you just know it when these persons come across your path, and you just know it, they're my assignment. They may be your assignment to be a witness and an example, but I believe it's also an assignment in prayer because God will give us prayer assignments, and I know you know what a prayer assignment is. He said, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I don't have anything to set before him. And verse 7, and he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you. Now Jesus is teaching us to pray, isn't he? What do you think he's saying by that? He's saying, number one, it, I just think it may look like at times and in seasons when you start praying for somebody, your prayers are not working. How many of you ever noticed that? They are not working. Well, let me tell you, that's why Jesus said men ought to always pray and not faint. Don't give up if you don't see visible results. And a lot of times 
they may get worse before they get better when you start praying for them. And the reason being is because the enemy knows that you're coming in. (laughs) And you're pulling down his strongholds and that you are one of those intercessors that is not going to give up and you're going to let go. You're going to cause him to let go of that stronghold in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project Podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.